right? Yeah, and uh, uh, we and then we have the shoemaker, right? And the idea is the fudge and uh, the doctor or Doctor Manet, right? Uh, uh, he's supposed to be his own his old uh, boss or something of the sort, right? Yeah, and you also have the last chapter, which is talking. Yeah, so that's the last chapter, right? And the idea of the second book, uh, the second uh, yeah book, the second the golden thread, right? Yeah, and the golden thread uh, actually comes up in much much later, right? Because the golden thread is actually uh, the uh, the idea of uh, the the golden hair of Lucy Manet, right? Which is uh, through his life, and uh, so what happens is all the symbolic and uh, is uh, utilized by Dickens very very cautiously, right? And uh, in some ways, you might find that. Dickens is overdoing it, right? Because you have this woman called Miss Pross, Pross, right? Yeah, who's uh, who gets into a fit, right? And uh, uh, Jarvis is going on with his, you know, I don't go by human emotions. I'm I'm a businessman, right? And you have uh, again when you have this thing of Miss uh, Pross and. Uh, 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 the idea of uh, who is it? It's Jarvis, right? Yeah, right. I think it must be Jarvis, right? Uh, and he is talking about that in hundreds of people, right? Uh, he's talking about. Uh, do you imagine, right? Yeah, and she says never imagine, right? So that takes you to uh, Dickens's other novel called Hard Times, where this man called uh, Grad Grind said nothing, no imagination, right? So that in Hegelian terms is what we call uh, the kind of antithesis to the idea of the romantic, right? Yeah, and then he changes his language uh, uh, and he says, well, uh, do you suppose, right? Yeah, so the idea of do you imagine? No, no imagine, never imagine, right? So that's something that uh, you find her saying. Right, and the idea is uh, that she's talking about. Uh, she's actually looked after Lucy, right, uh, and uh, uh, kind of nurtured her, right. Yeah. So that's uh, well. Uh, which chapter is this? It's uh, six or seven chapter. Chapter six, right? Yeah. So uh, you have the idea of uh, this coming up, but before that, we have. The idea of uh, uh, Charles, uh, what is his name? Charles Darnley, right? Is it Darnley? Uh, Charles Darnley? Darnley? I don't know how to pronounce it. I just need to look at the question of here. Right? Uh, yeah, you have the idea of the, the bank, right? And uh, and there's the first chapter begins with five years later, right? Yeah. So one of the important things is you have this man who's called Cruncher, okay, Jerry Cruncher, and he's a clerk, right? And uh, Dickens is very very cautious about using all the symbols in a very interesting manner, 
So you're talking about rusting, right? Yeah. So this is a metaphor that we use about my brains are rusting, I'm rusting, all those kind of things. But his, you can see the dust, the rust settle on his fingers, right? And what is interesting about Dickens is Dickens gives you a lot of very very interesting details and a lot of metaphor, right? Uh, if you talk about fiction as prose fiction, right? Uh, fiction could actually also be uh, poetry, right? But when we talk about fiction, we not we no, uh, normally talk about fiction as prose fiction, right? Because it's written in prose, or we imagine it to be written in prose, right? And uh, the the charge against English prose writing, as you already know, since you've done a whole course in prose, right, is that the English don't keep prose as prose, but they mix a lot of poetry with their prose, right? And yeah, I don't remember where it is, but you have this thing about death, right? And uh, yeah, maybe I'll just look through it and find it quickly, right? And uh, he's talking about death, uh, Dickens is talking about death, right? And it goes on and on and on that everything is going to be death, right? Yeah, so that's something that uh, is rather grim, right? But the idea, yeah, the idea, this man is Dane, right? And the idea is there is something uh, very similar between Dane and Cartoon, right? Now, the words and the names are important, right? Yeah, and Dickens uh, plays with the idea of the word and personality, right? And also the repetition, uh, and you have the repetition going on again and again, right? Where he's trying to give you uh, the idea of the character, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and uh, what is also interesting is we might come to present-day India because the idea is that this man called Dane is actually uh, brought up as a kind of a spy, right? And then uh, what happens is they get Lucy, they get Dr. Manet, and they get other people to give evidence in the courts, right? Yep. So you have the whole idea of the courts, right? And then you have uh, the idea of this man in the white wig, right? Uh, and he is also one of the people who's probably a clerk or the bailiff in the court, right? The clerk in the court, right? Yeah, and then you're talking about the old bailey, right? And that's the system of justice, right? And you're talking about this man going from France to England and back again. And what's the purpose of going up and down, right? And I, I actually thought about a very, very funny kind of a joke where, or a, a riddle combined with a joke, right? Where you, you find a person who's taking a donkey and a whole lot of straw and he's going from the border and he's crossing the India-Pakistan border again and again and then people don't know what and why he's doing that, right? And what is he robbing, right? And what is he taking up and down? Is he a spy, right? Yeah, and then you find the funny thing is he's not, he's not doing anything else and what is he taking up and down the border? There's no ammunition, there's nothing. He's checked every day, right? And he's robbing donkeys. That's it, right? He's taking donkeys and he's trading with donkeys across the border, right? So that's, that's the way it is, right? And uh, here again you find 
this kind of thing going on, right? Where this person is said, and the idea of high treason is a charge against him, right? Yeah. So the idea of treason uh, is something that we don't have in India, right? Or uh, the idea of, uh, I don't know whether we do, right? But it's called sedition, right? Because you're against the state and that's what all our people are being put in to jail, right? Because they're supposed to be against the state of India, right? Now, this is a very old British rule, which is called treason, that is against the king and trying to plot and get rid of the king, right? And that's what he's been accused of, right? And they try to uh, to say that he's the accused, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's been referred to as a prisoner. Yeah. Again and again, he is referred to as a prisoner. And uh, people remind you that the prisoner, the prisoner, right? So what is Dickens doing? He's giving you the idea of the language of the court, right? And how at one level, the language is something that constricts us. When you're called a prisoner, how do you behave, right? Yeah, and it's got something to do with English prisons. And the question is, uh, the whole bit that he has on death in one of the chapters, uh, maybe second or third, I don't remember where it is, but I'll try to look for that. Yeah, so uh, he's talking about death. And the idea is, there's only one solution to everything, condemn them to death, right? Which, when I was reading it, uh, yeah, it reminds me of the idea of the thirst for blood, which we have, okay, and people want people put to death in India even today, right? Yeah, so I think uh, that is uh, a, a kind of, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's right in the first chapter, right, But uh, of the second book. But indeed at that time, putting to death was a recipe much in vogue with all trades and professions, and not least of all with uh, Telson's. Death is nature's remedy for all things, and why not legislations? According, the, the forger was put to death. Uh, the utterer of a bad note was put to death. The unlawful opener of a letter was put to death. The purloiner of 40 shillings and six pence was put to death. The holder of a horse at Tellison's door uh, who made off with it was put to death. The, the coiner and a bad shilling was put to death. The sounders of three-fourths of the notes in the whole gamut of crime were put to death. Right? Yeah. Now, what is Dickens talking about? Death is a solution, right? And whether it's from nature or whether it's from uh, culture or civilization, right? So you have coins being put to death, people being put to death, three-fourths of the notes being put to death, right? Yeah, we might like to think of demonetization, right? But that's not quite it, right? But the idea is you get rid of things and you put things to death and death is a kind of a remedy yeah now 
we have to constantly note when he is using the idea of the mechanical, right? And when you have this woman called Mrs. Poss, a uh, Miss Poss, right? Yeah, a uh, Pross, right? Yeah, Miss Pross. Uh, now, uh, the question is, of course, uh, some people have written Pross as possessive of uh, Lucy, right? Yeah, or protecting Lucy, right? Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. The other is we're talking about Soho Square, and he act, Dickens actually is talking about Soho Square, and he gives you a different Soho Square, which perhaps uh, it was not there, right, at that point of time, right? And he's actually saying that in Soho Square, that's where uh, Dr. Manet stays, right? Now, of course, Soho Square is important in many ways. Today, you find a lot of artists there. You also have very close by the uh, uh, the uh, the opera theatres, right? Yeah, and you also Soho Square is also known for an old sex shop, right? Yeah, so that's something that uh, I think we need to look at because maybe that's glossed over, right? Because Dickens is actually maybe in a very polite manner he's talking about the underbelly of Victorian society, right? And when you look at the historical uh, uh, parts of Victorian society, at one level, there is uh, a huge amount of hypocrisy, okay, on the surface, right? That is, uh, women have to cover themselves, women have to be polite, sexuality has to be suppressed, and all these kind of things. And at the same time, you have a lot of homosexuality, you have these underground movements where you have uh, what do you call Friday dressing and I don't remember what uh, one of the days of the week right where you have cross-dressing and you have lesbianism and homosexuality which was also happening and people have kept records of all that right yeah so uh, that's something that has to be noted right and in the whole idea of Dickens' narration we also have to look at this half natural half artificial right and that's this keeps coming up right so the idea of uh, and the question of the Tower of London and the Bastille, right? So these are two towers and they're talking about going and visiting the Tower, right? Yeah, and uh, the DIG, right? Yeah, DIG means a lot of things, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so uh, you have DIG, which means dig, right? Yeah, and they're trying to decipher what that dig is written on because one of the uh, prisoners has written it on the wall, right? Yeah, and uh, they're actually saying dig over here and find out what's underneath, right? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it is uh, quite gruesome, right? And this idea of gruesomeness, and in fact, Dickens goes on to tell us about the smell of the air, right? Yeah. He actually talks about how people use vinegar to remove the smell or the, uh, the kind of the, the unpleasant smell in the atmosphere, right? Because the only way that uh, people think that you can get rid of uh, fungus in the uh, atmosphere is because of uh, with vinegar, right? So all that kind of idea of putridity is in the setting and the setting is not only a visual setting, but he gives you a lot of olfactory uh, material also, right? So uh, in the first uh, first part of the book, you have the red stains on 
the hands of people, the stains of wine, and that becomes the stains of blood, right? So all that symbolism is working in the novel, right? The putrid air is talking not only about, uh, is not only talking about the prisons, but the idea of the putridity of the whole uh, political system, and uh, whether it's in France or it's in England, right? Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about tale of two cities, right? We're talking about England and we're talking about France, right? And we're talking about England and the Tower of London, and we're talking about France uh, and the idea of the the Great Bastille, right? Yeah. And of course, uh, we have Dr. Manet, who is, uh, what is this say, 145 North Block, whatever is it, 105 North Block. That's how he knows himself. Can somebody correct me? Yeah, right? So he always talks about his North Block, right? And uh, well, it reminds me of our Parliament House. You have the South Block and the North Block and all those kind of things. And of course, now it's going to be washed away in the Central Vistas project. Right? Yeah. And history is going to be washed away. Right? Yeah. 100 and uh, 105. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the idea of going on 105 North Block. Right? Now that's something that's terribly dehumanizing. Right? The idea of reducing people to numbers. Right? And that's what we do. And when we talk about school and we talk about prison, that's again a metaphor that we constantly have because you give the prisoner a number. Right? And the prisoner is not an individual and a name. Right? The prisoner is number uh, whatever that is. Right? Yeah, and you might like Elvis Presley's, uh, Presley's Jailhouse Rock, where it said number 47, 10, number 9. Right? Yeah? And they're all talking about the jailbirds and the jailbirds singing to each other. Right? Yeah? So you're reduced to a number. You're not. Okay? So that's a very dehumanizing kind of thing that's happening, right? And when we talk about, and in case anybody's interested in looking at prisons and the growth and development in prisons, and uh, uh, Dickens is particularly dealing with this, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so you have that in a number of his novels, right? And he's actually talking about whether it's, Dick, uh, whether it's uh, uh, what is that guy's name? In... Uh, Great expectation, uh, yeah. Magwitch, yeah, yeah. Whether it's Magwitch, who who is the financer uh, of Pip in uh, Great Expectations, right? Or it's uh, David Copperfield, right? Where you have the prison, right? And we have to look at what happens when Foucault is talking about the idea of the workhouse, right? And the idea of the workhouse, which is divided into the madhouse and the prison in the 15th century, right? Which is a historical kind of thing that happens. And of course, in England, you have Bethlehem, right? And Bethlehem is a place where the mad people are kept, right? Yeah. So the question is, what is really the difference between the mad people and the prisoners, right? And that's a question which we still have. Uh, when you study Ibsen, whether you study the doll's house or anything else, and you go back to Ibsen criticism, Ibsen will talk about how the madhouse was on one side, the prison was on the other, and you could hear the cries of mad people, right? And you could also hear the cries of the prisoners who were being put to death, right? Yes, so I think uh, these are uh, in uh, the handbook of, uh, the Penguin book of uh, Ibsen criticism, right? Ibsen has his own kind of thing 
where he's talking about these things on both sides, right? And that's exactly what we have in the town that I was brought up in, in Pune, right? In, in a place called Yerabda, right? On one side, you have uh, the jail, and the other side, you have the prison, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's as interesting as it gets. And the idea is, uh, uh, what exactly does this actually mean, right? And when we're talking about uh, the Victorian uh, solution, very, very easy solution is, put them to death, right? Now, it's not only with uh, Dickens that we have this, right? But we also have the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland and says, off with the heads, right? Yeah. So the question of the Red Queen and the White Queen are equally important because one of the simple solutions is put somebody to death and as if death is so easy, right? Yeah. And uh, that's also the kind of mob justice that we have uh, which we saw in Hyderabad, right? Yeah. So the idea is he's not talking about the mob justice but he's talking about how the courts operate, right? And of course here you have a person who's acquitted, right? Yeah. And uh, that little piece of paper says acquitted, right? So the idea of the court and the idea of the court scene is something that we see in cinema, is something that we see in drama, right? Yeah. And uh, we have Shantata Kotsaloa here, that is, silence the court in session by Vijay Tendulkar, right? So you might like to look at uh, that play, which is a very, very powerful kind of play. Of course, I. Uh, I have to admit that I saw it put up, right? And that's where I go back to that play again and again. But we have court, which is again going back to Dickens, right? And is a critique of the judicial system. And that's exactly what uh, Dickens is also doing over here, right? He's satirizing the system. He's satirizing the prison system. He's satirizing the courts, right? And he's talking about justice, right? And the idea of what is justice, what is equality, what is all these things, what are all these things, right? Yeah. So we are talking today about the French uh, Revolution, which is talking about justice, liberty, fraternity, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, what happens is he's talking about a little time before the revolution, right? He's talking about a time when people are locked up in the Bastille, right? And uh, since you are studying literary criticism. I think one of the important things that you might like to think about is the idea that when we talk about uh, uh, when we talk about the fall of the Bastille, right? There's a philosopher who is very important, right? Of course, he's not in Paris, right? But uh, he is uh, in uh, which is this place? I'm sorry, Salzburg. Uh, he's in a German city, right? Yeah. Uh, that's Kant, Immanuel Kant, right? Uh, yeah, so what is the interesting thing about him is he's supposed to be the most systematic of all philosophers. Yeah, and probably you already know about that, right? And one of the things that he does is the whole city adjusts their watches when he passes by because he's so particular about time, right? Yeah, and if you read his own uh, uh, The Life of Kant, right? Uh, Immanuel Kant, right? He actually uh, is a snuff taker and he has a handkerchief kept far away from him. So he has to get up and go and blow his nose and come back, right? Yeah, so that's for exercise, right? Because you have to 
uh, look after the body, right? So you might like to think of him, right? And what's interesting about him is when you have the French Revolution and the fall of the Bastille, right? Uh, which is not block five, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred and five. Yeah. What is interesting about that is uh, he's, you're talking about prisoners over there and how prisoners are free, right? So we're talking about a monarchy where justice is not delivered, right? And we're talking about the idea of what happens to human beings when they're not justice, right? And it's, of course, a very relevant thing in our times because when we're talking about justice, can the poor avail justice? Right? That's a question that we have today, in spite of calling ourselves a democracy, right? Can a, a poor person actually fight any case, right? And we have a number of people who are put to death, right? Yeah. Uh, one of them is a man called Dhananjay Chatterjee, right? And uh, that's this, this famous case uh, where a, uh, a person was killed in uh, Hethal Patel, I think that was the name, right? in Calcutta and uh, I was watching all these things on NDTV and the principal of the school comes up and says well he should be killed right now where do you have the proof right yeah and one of the interesting things about Dickens is they're talking about witnesses they're talking about proofs right and all these things are developed further in fiction you have Graham Greene uh, the, uh, the case for the defense, right? Which is very similar. And when you read that, that's a short story. Please read it, right? It is, it is important because he's talking about un, uh, uh, what's this called? The rarest of the rare cases. That's that's one of the, the things that they do in court. But the un, uh, undisputed evidence that this person is a criminal, right? Yeah. And that's what the, the court does. And uh, the lawyer puts up another person uh, over there because uh, there is a person who looks exactly like the person who is supposed to be the murderer, right? And has murdered a woman, etc, etc. And all the witnesses say that this is the same man, right? And at the end of the trial they say, well, this is it this man or is it this man, right? And they don't know who it is. And somebody goes and shoots him, right? So he's actually acquitted. And after the acquittal, you're shot, right? That's what happens to Pulan Devi, right? In India, though, though she was not acquitted, she was, her case was still going on, right? And I was in Delhi, and I missed passing by and seeing all the, uh, the kind of shootout uh, by a few minutes, right? Yeah, because I was supposed to have, go and have lunch with somebody on Parliament Street that day. And uh, I should pass her out every day, right? Yeah, so one doesn't know when you might uh, actually have all these kinds of uh, things that are unjust happening, right? And the question is, when we're talking about mob violence, right? So that's what Dickens is hinting at, right? The idea of mob violence, right? And we're talking about the idea of mob violence can happen. Uh, democracy in many places is decried because of the idea of mob violence or what in India has become uh, the majority kind of uh, stand, right? The majorityism is not democracy, right? And most people think that the majorityism, uh, that is, you voted for all these people and so that that's democracy, right? The government in power is what the people want, right? And we look back at the French Revolution 
and I think that's very interesting because we're actually talking about the, the, the idea of what do the people want, right? And is that really a democracy, right? And that's a critique of the idea of democracy at one level, and that's what the, the novel is doing, right? It's actually telling us, do you want this kind of mob justice, right? Yeah, and is mob justice democracy, and is justice at all, right? So uh, these are very complicated and very subtle issues that Dickens is bringing up, right? And also what he does is, you'll find that there's a big difference from Jane Austen, though Jane Austen is uh, fantastic in her own way at her own point of time, right? But Dickens is giving you people of the, of the, the lower classes, right? And he's giving you all these uh, uh, portions of the city which are uh, rather bad, right? He's not giving you something that is uh, fantastic, right? But he's actually giving you what is called realism, both psychological realism, social realism, political realism, right? All those kinds of different kinds of realism are what he's giving you in the novel, right? So uh, at one level, you might like to call the novel uh, a political real, uh, 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 depicting political reality, right? You also have psychological reality because this woman is uh, when she gets uh, she gets jokes, right? And uh, uh, if you have seen Dodeska Den, uh, which is a movie by uh, Kurosawa, right? You get a man who gets this jerk, right? And it's almost as if, and you keep laughing at him, right? Yeah. And that's something that Dickens is doing when he's building up character, right? One is the repetition of a word, you know, like you, re you repeat, uh, uh, yeah, you have this question called Uriah Heap, right, in uh, David Copperfield, right, yeah, and you remember him because uh, you can't forget him, right, the red hair, and he's probably a Jew, right, and then he, he's talking about the, uh, his boss who's a lawyer and how he keeps him under his thumb. And this is a crook, right? Yeah. So the idea of the crook becomes important, right? So you look out for the red hair, and the red hair is also from uh, a, a long tradition in, uh, in English literature and European literature, and especially uh, a lot of Puritan literature. When you see a person with red hair, right, then you know that that person is either morally defunct, or this is a bad character, or the novelist is trying to make the person look like a bad character and all that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so a woman with red hair, right? Or you have the scarlet letter, right? So these are actual symbols which are actually saying that, well, uh, if anybody's got red hair, right, that means uh, they're morally not quite okay, right? And Dickens is using all these kinds of tools when he's talking about the novel, right? Yeah, when he's actually going on with the novel, right? So his symbolism, all those kind of things, they might have been present in Jane Austen, right? But now you actually have very conscious use of symbols, right? And the idea of death, right? The abstract of death is made concrete with this little passage that I just read to you, right? Yeah, he's talking about the recipe was death, right? Yeah, and what is the idea of the recipe? How do you take talk about the idea of the recipe, right? The recipe is going back to the druidic uh, past of England, right, at one level, and it's also going to the to something that is still contemporary in England, that is the witch, 
right? So you still have witches, right? And you still have witches living in covens, right? And you still have all these things very much, especially in North England, right? Uh, so that's one. But when you're talking about the recipe, and the recipe was death, right? Yeah, when you read Macbeth, you'll find uh, 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 Hecate's speech, or one of these witches' speeches. I'm sorry, I'm not very sure. Uh, I'm, yeah, so the idea of the newt, right? And put it, put a newt's tongue in it, right? And uh, the, the blood of toad and all different ingredients to whip up the broth, right? Yeah, so that's going to the pre-Christian pagan past of England, right? So that's what is there, but the idea is the recipe is death, right? Yeah, so how do you deal with it? This is the recipe, right? The solution, right? And the procedure, right? So when you talk about the word recipe and that, that is interesting because it says uh, uh, death was a recipe much in vogue which all trades and professions, not least of all, with uh, Tennyson's, right? Yeah, so he's not whitewashing Tennyson's, right? Yeah, uh, and Tennyson's is actually uh, a business company, right? And he's actually saying that what is the relationship between a business company and death, right? What is the relationship between the business company and law, right? So all that kind of thing is something in the beginning of the second uh, book, which is coming out, right? So what is important for us to notice is that there is a lot of complexity in what Dickens is doing, right? So you can't say, I know the story of uh, Tale of Two Cities, right? Uh, and that's, of course, for all literature, right? But the question is, you have very complex plots and very complex uh, lines which are going across different elements when he's talking with every, with every chapter, right? So he's talking about death and he's giving you what's the whole period, right? He's talking about the period and the idea of death is a kind of a universal solution and this is done by businessmen, by lawyers and you murder coins, you murder death, you put things to an end, you get a new stuff, right? Yeah. So that's something else that happens and we've just come out of this idea uh, of the first part which is actually, uh, what is uh, what is the name of it? It's called Recall to Life, right? Yeah. And the, uh, immediately after that you have the idea of death and death becomes a very important part, right? Because this is a sure cut, easy remedy, right? Yeah, of course, death as we know in our world today Right? Uh, or you have that English expression which says, dead men tell no tales. Right? And when you have uh, the mafia in Italy or any other part of the world, one of the things that they do is kill the judge off. Right? So that the procedure of the case doesn't happen. Right? Yeah? Or you kill the lawyer off. Right? So all those kind of things. Or uh, get the lawyer and uh, uh, maim him or anything of the sort. Him or her, right? Yeah. So, uh, so that's a very easy kind of solution, right? And uh, why is Dickens using all that? Because it's actually talking about uh, this idea. He's not even come to that, right? He's talking about England when you have a monarchy in England and a monarchy in France, and he's talking about all that, right? Yeah. And then he's talking about the relationship with 
uh, Louis the Fourteenth, right? Yeah, all uh, yeah. So you have all those kind of things going on, right? And uh, we're talking about the year uh, 1780, right? And all this. so he keeps splitting between uh, these different kinds of time frames, right? And you also have the unmistakable resemblance between this man called Sidney uh, Carton, right? And uh, the other one called Charles uh, Dunn, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a, a kind of an, a very strange coincidence, right? And the idea of he's talking about coincidences and why are coincidences so important, right? And how do coincidences? So. Uh, the idea of coincidences and how they happen, right? Now, many people, uh, that's a technique that people criticize in another Victorian novelist called uh, Thomas Hardy, right? Uh, like, for instance, you have this thing of uh, the letter under the door and Tess puts the letter and uh, the whole idea, the letter doesn't get seen and then after that, uh, and she takes away all those kind of very coincidental uh, details, right? Uh, keep coming up at Hardy, and the coincidences become very important, right? Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about coincidences uh, in people like uh, uh, what's the name? Alfred H Alfred Hitchcock, right? When he, and uh, you have the crime. Uh, crime uh, writers, right, or people are writing detective fiction, right, when too many coincidences take place, right, you do uh, delve into it even more, right, so that's something that we know in, 20th, in the 20th century, right, but we are having all these coincidences and uh, Dickens is also using the idea of the coincidence that two people actually look so much alike, right, of course today because we have statistics and we have other kinds of technology, we know that out of every thousand people, right, two people will be the same, right? So you might find your double, right? Uh, that's not, not at all impossible, right? And you might find people who look exactly like you, but that's something that happens one in a thousand, right? So that's that one in a thousand probability has happened over here when you have these two persons who look so much alike, right? They're almost as if they're the same, right? So that is, in the second part of the novel, we already have this kind of uh, understanding, right? And uh, that's something that's going to be built up upon, like the, the wine, which is symbolic in the first part of the novel, right? Uh, that's built up. Then you have the idea of the tower, the tower of London, right? And you have the idea of the Bastille, right? And the idea of the horrible kind of human conditions in both these places, right? So you have, of course, we know about what happens. Uh, and of course, the Dickens is talking for the English in, in, uh, in one voice, right? He's actually saying that, well, uh, the English are a little better they give you a fair trial, right? So that's a, a kind of an undertone that you might think that Dickens has, right? Yeah. But at the same time, he's very critical about Victorian law and justice, right? Because you have this person who's looking all the time in the ceiling, right? Yeah. And uh, the idea is 
uh, a lot of people were actually put to death for stealing a loaf of bread, right? So that's the kind of Victorian justice, the extreme kind of justice, right, where you don't consider the situation of the criminal, right? Yeah. So that's something that is a problem, right? And the question is, what is the reason behind your crime that was never considered, right? So that's some kind of irrationality and a kind of a moral morality of the law come together and the law says you're a criminal or you're not a criminal and if you're a criminal you have the extreme kind of uh, punishment to people right yeah so that's something else that comes up uh, when we are dealing with the novel right so we're talking about uh, prisons right we're talking about how people decay in prisons yeah and how people are exonerated Right, like for instance, you get acquitted, which is written for uh, this thing that is going on over here, right? Yeah, and that's in an English kind of prison, right? So you have, and many people would say, well, the uh, the uh, the judiciary is not just enough. Uh, these are accusations against uh, law all over the world today, right? Especially when you get rapes and murders, right? Uh, whether you take the uh, the case of uh, uh, Aruna Shatbak, right, uh, who was uh, sodomized by a ward boy in Bombay, right, and then uh, because he was frightened, he strangled her with a, a chain, right, uh, and uh, that made her vegetable for the rest of her life, right, and uh, uh, he has been tried for murder, attempt to murder. But there's no question about rape because that's not considered rape, right? By the English, the Indian law up to now, right? Yeah. So, so that's when the feminists get upset and all the human rights activists get upset, right? But the question is, he's moving around, he's still alive, and this woman had to be her family gave her up, everybody gave her up, only the nurses of uh, the the hospital she worked in, right? Uh, and uh, other nurses have come together as a fraternity and looked after her right to the time she died, right? And she was a young person, right? Yeah, so that's a very, very gruesome and sad story, right? But then the question is, we are, the novel is also a critique of the justice system, right? And that's what, uh, of course, the changes are brought about by also people like Goldsworthy, right? Yeah, and of course by Ruskin, right? And the question, uh, Ruskin, the Victorian Goldsworthy, a little later, right? But uh, what happens is that when we're talking about the idea of justice, right? What kind of justice do we have, right? And is justice uh, equal and fair? And can is justice, or does justice not consider the individual, right? And the individual situation, right? After the Second World War, there was a new subject in ethics called situational ethics because everybody's situation and how they acted according to that situation was considered, right? And after that, people say, well, uh, ethics is always situation, right? And then, of course, you have people who say uh, the ethical and the legal, right? Yeah, or the ethical and the moral, right? So you have the ethical, you have the legal, and you have the moral, and you try uh, some people would like to say that when you talk about morality, we're talking about the ethics of everybody, right? And morality involves 
all the people, right? And when you're talking about the ethical, uh, you would say it's my own personal morality, right? Or my own personal conviction. And all those kind of very huge debates that take place and have taken place and are on record, right? Yeah. So uh, Dickens opens this whole Pandora's box about what is justice, what is the individual, right? And uh, we, we're talking about a Victorian world which he's talking about, yet he's criticizing and he's doing something very interesting. He's talking about what's happening in England and what's happening in uh, in France, right? And he's setting it back in time, right? And he's looking at the justice system, right? And he's not really talking about the justice system at that point of time, but he's actually talking about the justice system now, right? In the Victorian age, right? In England, in the Victorian age, the idea of the justice system operating, right? And he's putting it back in time, right? Because that's probably uh, uh, the justice system which strikes you, right? Of course, we know from reading Fielding and uh, other people, right, that at Fielding's time, which is uh, a little before Jane Austen, right, and about Jane Austen's time, you also have the idea of uh, the law courts or the justices of the peace, right, and the question of how good or how bad they were, right, and well, they were all, and Fielding himself was a justice of peace, right, yeah, so. Uh, so he had actually seen uh, life at his grimmest, right? Yeah, and here we have the account of what is justice. Okay, so is there something that is a pure category of justice, or does justice fall into a pure category, right? Yeah, so the idea of the purity of justice and the individual, all those questions become very important because uh, you have the romantic age which is talking so much about individuality, the individual temperament, right? Uh, and is talking about imagination, right? And uh, here you have, uh, first of all, the distrust of imagination again and again, right? Yeah, the idea of what is imagination and what is real, right? And the question is, you have Manet who keeps the shoemaker's bench. And that's, of course, something really scary. And they, uh, the question is, why does he do that, right? Why does he keep this kind of a memory that's a terrible memory for him, right? And why does he get it uh, to London or is there over there uh, when he's uh, treating people, right? Yeah. So that's something that we have to remember and we have to remember what happens in Germany, right? And the idea that you have these prisons which are concentration camps and they've been in the news because people uh, say that look it's been used as an amusement park right and you can't really have that right but of course the idea of preserving all the Jewish monuments and the Jews are very good at doing that and cheers to them for that right because they've actually maintained the uh, of course it goes back to the Jewish idea of remember 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 Jerusalem, right? And they go back and they uh, quote remembrance, remembrance, right? Now, the idea is why does this prison bench over there, right? It's a part of the past that many people would want to forget, right? But somehow the other, Dr. Manet, uh, doesn't want to forget it, right? Yeah? And people wonder about it. Why do you have something that is so terrible in your memory or in your past? that you remember, right, yeah, 
and that's something to do with the romantic, right? And that's why the Victorians are important because at one level they they get in the mechanical which uh, Dickens is doing constantly. Whether you look at the character of uh, Laurie uh, Jarvis, right? Yeah, uh, Jarvis, whatever his name is, Laurie, right? Yeah, Jarvis, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, or yeah. So what we do again and again is we have the idea of the same thing being repeated, right? Then you have the idea of uh, 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 this woman called Miss Pross, right? Yeah. So here again we have the idea of uh, the the kind of jerks that she gets, right? So all those things are again something that we have to think about. Because when we are talking about the jerks and she gets into this, uh, the fit of jerks, right? Today, of course, we know there is probably, uh, and we don't know what is the cause of it, right? Yeah, because uh, we find today that many people who have lived the first and second world war, right? And who have experienced shell shocks, right? Uh, uh, have these tremors, right? Uh, in fact, I actually knew a person uh, and uh, if a small sound, uh, you had a sound of the screeching of a vehicle to a halt, right? She would just get very upset and she would almost shake, right? And then uh, a kind of a tremor, right? And then when we asked her, she, uh, she actually told us once, she, uh, she was studying in Sri Lanka, which was a part of India then, right? Or it was part of the colonial establishment, right? And uh, she had a medical student who kept uh, a skeleton in her room, right? Because he wanted, he was doing the study, he or she was doing the study, right? Yeah, I think it may be she, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so that is something that affected her many, many years later, right? Because whenever she used to get up, she used to see this skeleton, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are talking about what are the horrors that people see, right? And today, uh, the tale of two cities and the horrors that Dickens is talking about is nothing compared to the horrors that we've seen in Gulag, uh, that's uh, in uh, Russia, in uh, uh, the kind of horrors that you've seen in uh, uh, totalitarian Germany, right, with Hitler and whatever happens to the gypsies and the Jews, right. We've also seen that happening in uh, this Marxist-dominated Khmeruj, right? Yeah, in Cambodia, right? It's not situated only to Europe, right? Uh, and of course, in India, we have that perpetually, right? We talk about the Holocaust in Europe, and that becomes a big figure, right? And one, one of my friends, when I said all that thing, he says, but well, uh, you're talking about that. What about your own country, right? Yeah, you have dowry debts every day. Have you taken account of how many women are put to death, right? And when you put a person, you put a poor kerosene on somebody and light them, right? Yeah. Uh, don't you think that that's the Holocaust which is continuing, right? Yeah. So we have to think about that very carefully because we are actually talking about a lot of cruelty, right? And physical cruelty is one thing, but mental cruelty is even more, right? And the question is, what reacts? Today we are talking about the mind being outside, right? Yeah. But we are also talking about the body. Right? And if you're beaten uh, very badly, right, you can land up with defects. Like that person in Jamia 
who is a law student who is in the library, he was beaten by the so-called police. We don't know if they were police, right? And his eyes are lost, right? Yeah, I think we must think about all this, right? Because what happens when you have the brutality of law, the brutality of justice, the brutality of the prison system, right? On an individual and you can't do anything about it because who's going to fight, right? Of course, today we have systems where you can fight, but you might get justice when you're 80 years old and if you stand up for justice, maybe you, you'll feel, well, at least I've got justice at some point of time, right? Yeah, so the question is, uh, the question that we need to think about is, is justice a myth, right? Yeah, and when we looked at, we look at English, the English and the French, right? Uh, and we're looking at the, the kind of system that you have in the monarchy, right? And England is still a monarchy, even today, right? And Dickens is very conscious about uh, it being a monarchy and it being a highly important kind of monarchy because they're colonials, right? And you have references to uh, Abyssinia, right? And the other place, which is uh, the Ghana coast. Uh, what does he call it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah, that I had to look up because I was not aware of it. Yeah, but he's talking about Abyssinia. He's talking about the cruelties, right? And uh, the idea that, uh, yeah, right. and I have to, yeah. Uh, of, I'm sorry, I can't get that. Maybe I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, anyhow, you're, when you see Abyssinia, you have also this other place, right? Which he's talking about. Yeah, Aster, something like that, right? Yeah, I'll look for it. Yeah, that's one. And you might like to look at the names, right? And that's a critique also. You have this man called Mr. Striver, right? So, Striver is something that is important in the capitalist and the industrial world, right? And all of us are what you call strivers, according to how it goes, right? We're striving to get a better place in the system. We're striving to earn more money, right? And that's a name that Dickens has, okay? So you have one carton and you have one striver, right? So, and you have Miss Pross and all this kind of people, right? Yeah. Uh, Shall we wind up there? Or shall we go on? Uh, yes, sir, it's 10, so we may wind up. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yep. Yep.